back from Snack Isles Unknown to supply you with some snacks for Fat Marks by Fat Marks. It's the OG Fat Mark himself, the Lunchbox Kid, Fat Mark P. And before we get into today's topics, just want to touch on what's been going on in the wrestling world while we've been searching the world for the best snacks. Kenny's got three titles. Well, technically four if the Impact and TNA titles count as two separate belts. Vince is still busy burying NXT every chance he gets on the main roster like it's not his developmental program. My guy Jay White is the first Grand Slam champion in NJPW history, and the forbidden door opened by Tony Khan might lead directly to the Impact Zone. Some of these will be covered later this week in a second podcast for you snack attack marks. But, before I dive into the wrong snack pack, let's get down to business. This weekend, my sister, Madam Fat Mark, and I invaded the Game Changer universe, as Smart Mark Sterling called it, and by God, if it wasn't amazing to be back in the live crowd, if you can't tell by my raspy-ass voice. The sold-out crowd was hot as hell from the opening countdown to the War Games announcement to End Night 2, so let's get into the matches and moments that got my fat heart going from Night 1. Firstly, your host with the most got to live a WCW slash ECW dream and stand in the tunnel and hype up the wrestlers. Bet you guys can't find me on the video. And on top of that, this little fat Mark got to meet Too Cold Scorpio and live out another dream. Since I've been a tiny little Mark watching ECW and WCW. Now to get what what puts butts in the seats. It's match time. And we're going to focus on a couple that really gave the crowd a crazy show, and in case you're wondering about the other matches, you'll hear about these later as well in the second part of this episode from our resident scorecard queen, Madam Fatmark. The first one I want to touch on is Drew Parker versus Alex Colon. And if this match didn't prove to me that Drew Parker might be the prince of deathmatch wrestling, I don't know it really can. It was fast-paced and high energy from the very get-go. It was one of the craziest death matches and not slowly paced match death matches I've ever seen. They weren't trying to win, they were just trying to survive. This had the fat marks this made the fat marks big Parker fans. As we watched him and Cologne trade blows, light tube shots, glass tables, and even a human dartboard spot, Drew picks up the win with a rear naked choke and becomes two belt Drew, the now Big Japan Wrestling Deathmatch and new GCW Ultra Violent Champion. This match was absolutely insane. It was probably one of the craziest spots to be in the middle of a show. Usually you see takeaway matches or feel good matches, but to see two guys absolutely trying to murder each other and then Drew challenging Alex to come over to Japan and take a shot at the title was absolutely beautiful. It was, honestly, in my opinion, the best match of night one. And I'll gladly argue you guys with that over Twitter or Instagram or comments. And then there was a tag title match between Jimmy F. and Lloyd and G-Raver and the second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice. This match was insane to see live. Got to see Mance Warner's tongue get stapled to a table and then watch Matthew Justice get put through the table to help free... Mance Warner's tongue. I saw Mance Warner pull the best version of Eddie Guerrero I've seen since Eddie did it and hit G-Raver with the belt, toss it to Jimmy and make him look like he did it. Just slowly building heat between these two very casual tag team partners. 
and then leading to G Raver just leaving Jimmy in the ring and sitting on the floor and watching him get his shit beat in for the one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And then setting up the Chicago death match between these two former teammates to go back to, as G Raver put it, the scene of the crime. This match had it all, in my opinion. We got to see the new GCW tag champs bloodied but celebrating with the crowd. And we got to see really how exciting it is for all of the crowd to be back in watching matches live. Because I think it definitely affected how these the outcomes of these matches were, even though they were booked that way, but it definitely changed the, the feeling of the wrestlers. I thought it was incredible to see these two tag teams. I hadn't really seen them live before, and this was my first GCW event, so it was really nice to see the way their tag division set up as compared to some of the ones in WWE or NXT or even AEW. The rule changes are amazing. It's very high-paced, energetic, and the fact that you don't see people shying away from it. It was honestly one of the best tag matches I've seen in a long time. And it was one that kept you interested. You didn't feel like you were just going through the motions watching them wrestle. And then, the one that we were all waiting for, Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, versus Nick Gage. This match was crazy before the show even started. You had MDK all effing day chance an hour and a half before the, the show even got on Fight TV. Let alone Nick F. Engage Chance and F. Cardona, F. Zack Ryder, F. Long Island. It was it was building up as soon as there was people near the seats, let alone before a ring bell rang. And then it starts. Right after the, the interruption, quote-unquote, by frontman Ja and Effie, you start hearing the music hit. And the whole crowd goes bananas. Everybody's up at the end of at the entrance to the tunnel, ready. It's a mosh pit. It was like going to Warp Tour in 2005. It was a madhouse. Matt Cardona's trying to get through the crowd. I mean, even I got shoved by Matt Cardona, which I'm gonna get my shot back by challenging for that internet title, Matt. I won it. You pushed me. I did nothing wrong. I'm just mean, nearly a fat mark trying to enjoy some wrestling. But I digress. Back to the match. Matt gets to the ring. Nick Nick tries to come out. The crowd slowly pushes him almost all the way around the carousel room and the showboat in Atlantic City. It was absolutely insane. The fact that no one before the match got trampled and bloody blows my mind. As soon as the match starts, you already hear immediate heat from the crowd at a level that I've never seen and you could see he was feeding off it as the heel flipping off the crowd telling us to shut up all of it it was amazing the interaction was the best part of it because that's what's been lacking in wrestling for about 18 months you actually got to see real passion outside of I have to put on a good show for the people watching at home and immediately you start seeing Nick Matt Cardona going after Nick Gage with body shots, DDTs, throwing everything he had at him at the king of this shit. 
and plenty of weapons. You saw light tubes. You saw glass tables. Christ, there was a t uh, action figure display case that got destroyed. It was one of the craziest matches I've ever seen up. It definitely paid off better than in our last episode talking about the exploding barbed wire death match. But Gage comes back putting Mark Matt Cardona through glass and setting him up for the pizza cutter. And as he's pizza cutting foreheads, he's pointing to the crowd and going, do you want me to do it on this side of the ring? You can see that as Kip Sabian said to me later on in the night, Nick Gage is one of the most over, if not the most over wrestlers in the world. And it's real. It's not kayfabe. Kip even said it himself. It's honestly to the point that the MDK gang is a gang and they would probably do anything for Nick Gage. Speaking of MDK, MDK chants are deafening in this auditorium. It's insanity. You can't even you can barely hear the noise going on in the ring, let alone anything else. Thank God the fire alarm didn't go off. And the god of this shit has this match in his hands at this point just to have it stolen away when RSP and 440H intervene and cost him the match, giving Cardona the GCW world title, which did not exactly have the fans thrilled. Immediately, it looked like Bash at the Beach in 1996 when Hulk Hogan came out, and they just berated him with water bottles, beer cans, trash. It looked like they were trying to have a recycling event in the middle of the ring. Cardona disappears, and all of a sudden you still have Nick Gage standing in the ring, sad. It's crazy to see somebody who's the man of this shit get beaten that kind of fashion, but you could see the fans had his back as much as he had the fans. Telling us he's getting the world title back, and he's going to beat Cardona, and he's never going away. It was amazing. It's the kind of promo you don't hear anymore. It felt very old school. I felt like all of a sudden I was in old Mid-South Wrestling and Cowboy Bill Watts was telling me about what was going to happen in Tulsa next week. It was absolutely tremendous. And what an incredible show to see as my first live GCW event. It was insane that in the, in the post-COVID world, it felt so normal and comforting, even though it was an absolute bloodbath throughout the entire night. I think... If anything, all those guys never need to donate blood again with the American Red Cross because they all left it on the mat or on the floor. But it was nice to see it in the post-COVID world. To see people who might not know each other, might not have much in common other than being wrestling fans, but you're making friends, you're, you're seeing people, you're watching other people's reactions. It really made it feel like wrestling again and not just TV. And that's the end of night one. Then less than 24 hours later, we come into night two. And it starts off right where we left it from the night before. GC Dub Chance. Uh, F Ohio Chance. There was just all the ruckus in the crowd. Not just to mention that the wrestler was in a match later on in the night against Tank Man. I want to start with saying our thoughts and prayers are with Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. I know it's hard to lose a family member, but your performance last night definitely made them proud. I can't even imagine what had to be going through your head as the crowd was behind you and giving you as much love and support as we can. 
but back to the action. The crowd wanted to let Dave Meltzer know exactly how they felt about his tweet from the night before, and boy did they throughout the night with F. Dave Meltzer chants constantly going on throughout matches. It was insanity. It was something I never thought I'd hear at a show, but honestly, if it was at a PWG show, as one of the kids in the crowd told me throughout the night, if that death match was a PWG, it would have got six stars. But I do have to say that though that opinion of the crowd is not the official opinion of Fat Mark Wrestling. Sorry, not sorry. I don't really need that lawsuit because like Jordan Oliver, we're just young, dumb, and broke. And... To mention Jordan Oliver, the East Coast ace, starts the show out with an absolute barn burner of a match against Cartwheel Jack. This was one of my favorite matches of the night, since I love seeing the up-and-coming talent get a little bit of shine, and both of those wrestlers did not waste that opportunity. Full send Cartwheel Jack was absolutely killing it for the longest time in that match. It looked like he was running away with it, from top rope cartwheels to beating Jordan Oliver to almost every move. But then Jordan got the advantage. Jordan took the W and ran with it, and boy as hell did it have a crazy pace. And it started night two off with the exact kind of bang it needed. The next match is the first title defense for second gear crew. I apologize. Against Ninja Mac, a huge crowd favorite. If I would say Nick Gage is over... Ninja Mac might be the second most over person during the weekend. And Dante Leone, who looks like the grunge version of Jeff Hardy, and that's not a shot because he wrestles like it too, and I think that kid's going to be an absolute stud. These two teams went to war, and proof of that was seeing Ninja Mac crack his head open before the end of the match. It was absolutely insanity, and I appreciate the fact that GCW got on top of that so quickly. This injury left Dante, though, alone with these two animals, Justice and Warner, and they took advantage of that, and he tried his damnedest to fend them off, but takes the double pin in the middle of the ring from Warner and Justice. This, in my opinion, was a match that performed better than most people probably would have thought it was, because looking at it, it's a built tag team with a title, and two guys who might have been put together earlier that afternoon for the card, but boy, did it did it not let you down it was great especially when you look at how wrestling's judged by size and the look even though mac and dante didn't exactly have the 8x10 vince mcmahon this is such good shit look you did have two guys who went out there and put their ass on the line and did great and i definitely would love to see another one of these tough tag team matches between these teams once everybody's healthy again and hopefully back in Atlantic City because I'm greedy and won all the shows in Jersey. Then there was the bad boy himself, Joey Janela versus Atticus Koger. Koger had enough heat from the night before winning the six-man match and then also coming out with RSP and 440 and taking the belt pretty much out of Nick Gage's hand. So immediately, the, before the match starts, referees the bell, Joey goes, bring that shit out here. You see two light tubes, you see barbed wire cage box thing that gets bolted to the ring. You can see that this is about to be nothing more but a war of attrition. 
Not to mention you have Atticus who has the spiked coffee stirs going into Joey's both temples and the top of his head looking like a character out of a Dr. Seuss novel. And Joey's opened up almost immediately in this war between the two of them and you could tell it was going to be a bloody one. Atticus had some of the most heat throughout the night compared to a lot of other talent that showed up throughout the matches other than Cesar Bononi, but I don't know that all that hate was justified after seeing how well he treated Lady Fatmark when she tried to talk to him. But I digress. Back to this match. Joey and Atticus go at it. You can tell one of them wants to put the other in the grave. Atticus even says that Joey's not getting back up and yet once again Joey Janela never dies to pick up a W in a match in that I can barely begin to describe. Because honestly, if you didn't see it, you probably wouldn't believe it. And I feel about a, that way about a lot of these shows. And the last match that I'd like to talk to, talk about, sorry, was the final of the the final of the weekend. Drew Parker versus Jimmy F. and Lloyd in a non-title death match. As you can get, there's a referring recurring theme in GCW. They like the hardcore matches. I like the hardcore matches. So this was right up my alley for me. From watching Jimmy put syringes through Drew's ear and nose and squirt the water or whatever was in the syringes through, to seeing Parker put up a ladder, climb up at once, one spot happens, climb up it again, throw a senton off the top, onto Jimmy through a glass table. It was absolute nonstop action from the very get-go. It was some... It showed me... That in the next generation of death matches or professional wrestling as a whole, there's a bright future. Because I think they were really trying to live up to the legacy of a guy like Nick Gage or Terry Funk or Cactus Jack Manson. Drew gets the win and proves he's the prince of this shit. And that he is definitely the Jeff Hardy of death matches and the ultra-violent high flyer that I never thought you were going to see. It was crazy watching him throughout the weekend because usually you don't see death matches with crazy high spots unless it's Danzig jumping off a, the CZW arena with Nick Mondo through a ta- couple tables or Danzig jumping off the CZW arena with Joey Janela into a truck bed full of barbed wire, wire and car tubes. So you don't usually get high spots that look like you should be watching cruiserweights. If those even exist anymore, at least they don't for Vince McMahon. The night wraps up with a visit from Smart Mark Sterling. And let me be honest, why you want to be a Smart Mark when you can be a Fat Mark? Am I right or am I right? He informs us that he has a prepared speech from Matt Cardona that says F you to all of us. And how we smell bad and how he, him and Matt want to change the title to the Game Changer Universal Championship. Why does this sound like something I heard a couple years ago on USA Network? Weird. But whatever. And then tells us how he hates New Jersey and how he was going to file a lawsuit against Nick Gage for trying to kill Matt Cardona. Like Matt Cardona also wasn't trying to kill Nick Gage. But if he did that, it would overturn Matt's win and Nick would get the 
match back. And because Mark Sterling's such a good guy, he doesn't want to let us down by not having Matt Cardona as a champion. And then he tells us he's filing a class action lawsuit against the GCW universe for 500k. Like any of us can pull that money together when there's a bomb-ass merch table and snacks. Like, come on, my guy. Gage comes out with a chair and it's pandemonium immediately. The whole crowd rushes the tunnel and it's celebrating like when you watch Rocky come out to fight Apollo Creed. Nick gets in the ring and Mark Sterling starts talking all this nonsense about they've already thrown trash at me and if you touch me, lay a hand on me, I'm calling the cops. You're going to tell this from the, to the kid from the Eastern Block? I don't think that's going to happen. Nick drops the chair and looks like he's going to walk away and then proceeds to manhandle Mark Sterling. Not in any fear of the, the calling the cops. It's Atlantic City. Do the cops even answer the phone call? And as Nick's in the ring, RSP and 4OH come back again and try to outnumber Nick Gage. And Gage looks a little worried. And then you get Alex Gray come into the ring, and you get Effie, and you get Manson Justice, and you get the MDK gang. All making it even, and then you get to watch Bedlam. Absolute insanity. You get five guys beating the ever-loving hell out of each other in a, in a non-match just out of hate. And you know what? Hate, 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 hate. I'm fine with that. To be completely honest, it gave a really cool edge to the, to the end of the show. Instead of just like a WWE spot where you get somebody coming out and be like, Nah, Mark, it's not like that. Roll credits. So it added a very interesting dynamic. The MDK gang makes the save, gets RSP out of the ring, along with 440. And Nick Gage announces that he's going to kill one of them at the War Games match that they're putting on in Chicago. This leads to a bunch of MDK and Nick F. and Gage chants, and that's all, folks. As you can see, there's almost too much to talk about from GCW Homecoming for me to even do it justice. Rest in peace to Justice Payne, by the way. They put on an outstanding show and didn't leave the crowd wanting for anything, which is rare in any sort of performance art. I don't think there was a single person in the in the crowd who would have went, I would have done this different, or it would have been this, except no one wanted to see Matt Cardona win the title. But goddamn, if I don't love watching somebody have to chase for a world title again. Was a little expected to, when they hit Jericho's music in night one to have a stooge come out, which... As a, as a mark myself, I went, I've been watching wrestling since I was in diapers, and how did I not realize that this was all a distraction? But I got to say, I'm a big fan of that concept. That was very well done and kept everybody's attention and had the crowd going wild when everybody thought Jericho was coming out. And... Now, for the first time on here, live from a deli counter near you, Madam Fatmark, the Lady Meltzer of this shit, but without all the hate, is going to give the ratings for the weekend with her seal of fresh. Thank you, Brother P, for that beautiful introduction, but I'm not always 
in a deli, but a hoagie is a hoagie is a hoagie, baby. But I digress. I have been painstakingly all day going through the bar napkins of the notes I took this weekend at Game Changer Wrestling's Homecoming. Now, I will say, these ratings are my opinion and my opinion alone. And unlike Meltzer, this Lady Meltzer will never trash the Fat Mark community. So, let's get on with the matches from night one of GCW Homecoming. First, we started off with Marco Stunt and Starboy Charlie. It was a good start to the weekend. Marco was amazing. And it was nice to watch him as a wrestler and not just the comic relief for Jurassic Express. Before you come at me, I love Mr. Fun Size. But Tony Khan needs to book him and show his worth. He's got substance. He's not all show. Starboy also held his own and tried his best to defeat Marco, but it wasn't happening. Marco got the win, but he was classy enough to hold Starboy's arm up at the end. Three snack packs out of five for Marco's stunt. Our next match was Tony Deppin Ninja, and Ninja Mac. This is only getting a two pa- snack pack because it was a good match, but I felt like I was watching my niece's tumbling competition. Like, all right, whatever. You can do a little flipperoo. Got it. Let's get over it. And I do feel the same way about the AJ Gray, Nolan Edwards. It was good. It was just a match. I got confused. Nolan had a mask, then he didn't have a mask. But now it's kayfabe's a mask. I don't get it. Let's just go on. Two for two. Our next match is a nostalgic Adunkaroo for the Grim Reefer and two Cold Scorpio. This was a nice comedy style match where I could relive my little Lady Mark dreams. Watching ECW and WCW while while playing with my My Little Ponies. What topped it off was Reefer was smoking during the whole wrestling match. And it just reminded me of those home-going promotions of yesteryear. So thank you guys. Keep my memories alive. Now this one. This next match. Has the first ever Madam Fat Mark Seal of Freshness. It was the double title match between Alice Cologne and Drew Parker. This was the first ultra-violent death match I have ever been to. And boy, did it not disappoint. I have never been more excited to watch people throw themselves through plate glass and barbed wire. Parker won both titles. Then asked for a rematch in Japan, which Cologne said, yeah, why not? And then a match for Lloyd the following night. Man, if this... If this kid didn't seal my love for hardcore, I don't know who did. This was a 5 out of 5 match. So after they cleaned up all the glass and after intermission, there was a 6-man scramble between Shane Mercer, Atticus Coger, Jordan Oliver, Braden Lee, Dante Leone, and Jack Cartwheel. 
Now, going into this match, I knew no one. I just saw, like, six dudes in a ring. So, basically, to me, this was an exhibition match just to see what these kids do. They did not disappoint. I saw many different styles of wrestling, and I will be watching these kids on the circuit. So, I'm giving them a solid three snack packs. Next was the tag team title match between G-Raver Jimmy Lloyd and Second Gear Crew. It was surprising to say the least. It started out like a normal match, no big deal, when all of a sudden G-Raver leaves Jimmy in the ring alone just to let SGC slaughter him and lose the titles. Like, what? Later on, here comes G-Raver. Going after Jimmy, saying we're done and we got a match in Chicago. Man, I'm packing my tickets for Chicago. Four and a half snack packs. Now, this one, I don't know how to rate. This was between Effie and Joxie. They had a little squasher, a little tussle here and there. But it was a nice announcement for the Effie big, Effie's big gay brunch. Which, if you know a lady mark, we mark for brunches. So, I already have my mimosa in hand, and I'm ready for it. Now, let me just say, this is the match that I personally cared for. I've been ready for this for weeks. Come on, baby. This was the Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona world title match. This not only got my seal of freshness, it got five snack packs. Hell, it got the whole friggin' snack cabinet, baby. It was an adrenaline rush from start to finish. You could smell the anger in the air for Matt Cardona. But I had to stay neutral because I like Matt Cardona, but I like Impact Matt Cardona. And I love Nick Gage. I grew up with the man. He's like the Jersey Devil. He's a myth. He's a legend. But I had to stay a little neutral. That was until Mark Cardona decided to like go hog wild. And then I guess he talked to his friends, 44OH and RSP, to come out and like start beating the crap out of Nick Gage. Just so what? He could be a little weenie and take the, take the cake, take the belt? Parade around like some prize pony with the belt. When you didn't win the right way to the first place, you decided to cheat. And then were a coward, ran out of one of the exits like nobody knew you were gone. Like poof magic. And left poor Nick Gage out on the floor. Bruised and bloody because you're a little coward. You have to be prepared for the ridiculous for the redemption of MDK. Because, man, that is a gang you don't want to mess with. But I will say, overall, because I have to not be biased, it was an overall fantastic match with just a god-awful ending. To tie up night one, it was an amazing night from start to finish. I'm going to give the score of 5 out of 5 just for the grand finale of it all. Now on to night 2. Now we were all dragging our little 
wrestling fan bodies back in. Starbucks was my best friend that day. But we're starting off with Jordan Oliver and Jack Cartwheel. This was the only match of night two that your girl gave the seal of freshness and five packs before the match even was halfway through. That being said, these guys put on an amazing match. I could not look away. And it was just the jolt of energy that all of us marks in that building needed to get this show rolling. Next match, we saw Starboy Charlie again with Jonathan Grisham. Going into this match, I was very biased. I love Jordan Grace. I watch her every week on Impact. I saw that her his her husband was in a match this weekend. And I went, I'm in. Let's go. Grisham all the way. So I thought it was just going to be a complete squash match. Man, was I proven wrong. Both men look great. Grisham is great in the technical. He's an artistic wrestler. And Starboy held his own. He fought back. He rolled with the punches. He was just ready to go. And he was a great competitor. If these guys did not make me fans, they made a fan out of me last night. And I'm giving them four packs for this match. Now... I'm going to preface this next match. This was the tag team title match between Second Gear Crew versus Dante Leone and Ninja Mac. By saying this rating is not only for the match, but how the wrestlers reacted to the match. I will never give a rating if someone gets harmed during a match. That being said, this match started out normal, a normal tag team match. I was looking forward to it from the jump. Even though Mac and Leon are a smaller team, they looked like they had a chance of taking the belts from Second Gear Crew until things went south and Ninja Mac cracked his head on the floor. This is where my rating comes in. While the Game Changer crew came in to take care of Ninja Mac, Second Gear and Dante kept the crowd's attention away from what was going on and back on the match. I will also give a snack pack to Dante for taking one for the team and ending the match as fastly as he could. So this match gets a four snack pack and Ninja Mac, please feel better and I hope you get the rematch you deserve. The next match is another eh, two-and-a-half-pack squasher. But this was for Chris Dixon. I don't know if I could wrestle a match after someone that I loved passed away. So my condolences go to the Dixon family. But my dude, Cesar Benoni, honey, you're no, you're no heel. You're no bad guy. You're just the sweet little wingman. To Pete Avalon. Just next time, just leave Pete to do the talking and you just look pretty. Okay? Just hear it from your girl. Now, this next match, other than the Cardona Gage match from the previous night, 
was pretty much the only reason why I bought tickets for night two. And man, was I not disappointed. I figured this was just going to be a normal wrestling match between Atticus Coger and Joey Janela. Till all of a sudden, your boy Joey says to the back crew, bring it in. And your girl saw some barbed wire and some plate glass and went, woo! I was on the edge of my seat. It was an amazing win for Janela. Then all of a sudden, Atticus comes back for seconds. When here comes Marco Stunt with the broom handle. This was the top match of the night. Five snack packs and a Lunchable for Marco. Now, I need to bring this up because it made me giggle. But I am giving a WTF popcorn and a one snack pack to the guy who decided to start a fight with Showboat Hotel, Fight TV, and Game Changer Wrestling. So here's the backstory. While they were cleaning up from the Janela Coger fight, the fire alarm went off, which we all thought it was just the smoke from the glass and all the powder. Maybe it was just an accidental. We were just, no one was saying anything. All right, let's just keep going. We're all mingling and talking with wrestlers, buying our stuff. When all of a sudden, this dude starts screaming at production, going, I can't believe that you're not evacuating. Blah, la, 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 la. Screaming at the top of his lungs. It was so bad that not only was the creator of GCW, but all the wrestlers came out from the back. There's a big huddle, this whole kerfuffle. And we're going, well, nobody's telling us to leave, so who cares? It was so bad that we got a text message from Fat Mark J saying, yo, what's going on? They cut the audio from the pay-per-view. That's how bad this guy decided to have a temper tantrum. And it's not even like, dude, stop. We're fine. The alarm went off. No big deal. Everybody calmed down. And on with the show. The next one, I wasn't too into. It was just like, oh, look, a tag match. Woohoo. Another squasher, Iron Beast, Brandon Lee, Cole Raddick. The kids are good. I don't know if they're going to be like some type of indie star or just jobbers who get a job and get their bills paid. I don't know. It was just a quick little two-pack snack pack, but I do see a nice setup for a title match between second gear crew. That's it. It was followed by a 3.5 snack pack storyline match between Calvin Tankman and Ruckus. It was a nice match. Everyone played well. Edge of my seat again. Tankman won. He got an invitation to join Blackout and he accepted. Next came our homecoming queens, Alley Cat and Penelope Ford. Which honestly, it was a nice surprise to have a women's match at GCW. Allie was a strong opponent, and I can't wait to see what she has. Never seen her before, but she looked good. Also, it was quite refreshing watching Penelope not as her AEW character, but as an indie wrestler. 
She's a totally different wrestler. And when I saw her slide herself out of the Boston Crab that Allie Catch put her in and this wild banshee look on her face, man, I knew Allie did not have the W. That was a 4.5 match for your girl. Also, I would like to give a one snack pack, maybe just a half a snack pack, to the tag team title match that they decided to have in between of Allie Penelope versus the door that they wouldn't break. So, I, it needed to be mentioned and it needed a little bit of a rating. The last match of the night. This was our Drew Parker, Jimmy Lloyd, non-title death match. I looked forward to it from when they said it the night before, and it did not disappoint. From start to finish, it was a stand-up-and-scream-throw-some-chairs kind of match. And as you were watching it, it was a let's-just-have-fun-and-hit- light tubes off our heads they had a they had more fun in the ring than we had watching them but I will say the swanton bomb at the end of the match cemented the win for Parker then bashing light tubes and hugging each other after the count leaving the ring was icing on the homecoming cake and, a little tidbit, me and Parker now have matching piercings. This was a 5 out of 5 snack pack for the night. Now, I will rate Nate night 2 at 4 snack packs. This whole weekend was a 4.5 in the snack back pack ratio. It has some serious ups and some meh downs. But overall, it was a great weekend. We've made some friends and ready for the next GCW show. Oh, by the way, you're welcome, Fat Mark P, for my lovely scores on your show. Bye-bye. Thank you, Madam Fat Mark. But you got any more of them snack packs, though? I was going to I want to say thank you to GCW for putting on an amazing weekend. And there's a couple people I'd like to thank personally for their interactions with me and my sister as well. Uh Two Cold Scorpio, Joey Janella, Janella Cesar Benone, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, Effie and G Raver for talking to me and her and being honestly some of the nicest people I've ever had the chance to have a discussion with at a wrestling show. It was really nice to have you guys interested in the fact that we do this podcast or that we had questions for you guys that were honestly beyond wrestling because it was very cool to see Kip Sabian's eyes light up when me and my sister were talking to him about not AEW, asking him how he's doing or what he's been up to while he's been rehabbing because as somebody who separated their shoulder a couple times, I know how hard it is to come back from a shoulder injury and I had to hear it. I hope I did you guys you guys' hard work justice in this podcast because I definitely have become a huge mark for your work. An even fatter mark, if you will. 
keep your eyes on a lot of these young guys too, like Cartwheel Jack, Jordan Oliver, Drew Parker. They really are the future of wrestling, and damn near they're taking the presence by storm. And I'm completely fine with it. I love seeing young blood that has a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. And I think it's really fitting that the show we came back for on the podcast was GCW Homecoming because this is my homecoming back to Fat Mark Wrestling. I've been away for a little while and I apologize to you guys for that because I've been leaving you out in the, in the dark. But thank you guys for listening and sorry again for the extended absence. Be sure to keep an eye on our Twitter and Instagram for some more content. We're also working on a website for you guys, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at fat underscore mark underscore wrestling. And be sure to check out a guy we met during GCW. He's tantalizing. Tony puts out great content. You can find him on YouTube. And remember, I can kiss any fat mark in here and make him cry, even you listening at home. <laughs>